Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcasts, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Open. Opus Private Client Wellstyle Podcast. Uh, my name is George Papanicolaou, and I will be your host for today. On today's episode, we'll be discussing an interesting and terrifying topic, artificial intelligence. It's uh, different applications, and of course, a hot topic is ChatGPT. In what should and is considered the start of the fifth industrial revolution, I've invited my very good friend back on the podcast, Chris Ward. Chris is the co-founder and chief revenue officer of the Publisher Desk which is a full-service technology and monetization platform for content publishers. Chris, welcome, and thank you for coming on again. Glad to be here, George. For everyone who hasn't tinkered with ChatGPT or any of the other AI software out there, it's it's something. Um, even just right before we started recording today's episode, we were talking with, with Eric, who's the one who coordinates all this, and we were talking about how the whole... Uh, recording industry, voiceover uh, applications, and you know how AI is is duplicating people's voices, and it's a, it's a crazy topic. So for for those of you who haven't played with it yet, I I encourage you to go into it. Uh, Chris and I have been uh, having friendly discussions on the topic for a while now, uh, which is how we kind of came up with the idea. It's very broad and super easy to kind of go down the rabbit hole. So for the listening audience, we're going to try to keep it pretty high level. Uh, and talk about how AI is being integrated in the world literally right now. So I guess we should start with it. Chris, talk to us a little bit about what ChatGPT is and how it works. So it's a natural language model that since 2020, which was ChatGPT's three debut, was really the first iteration of a real interface that a layman could go and interact with an AI. And so the notion that, you know, they loaded it with loads and loads and loads of different um, pieces of content to be able to help people answer their everyday questions. Um, one of the interesting things was watching a TikTok video of a real estate lawyer in New York City. I think we both watched that video and, you know, he throws at it. It needs to have this indemnification clause, co-use, and this and that. And he's like, this is 95% of my business. And he, he starts asking ChatGPT to write up a, a lease agreement with all these caveats in it in New York. And ChatGPT goes off and starts writing this contract. 95% of you know lease agreements are boilerplate language, right? And so he's watching it and you could watch just the dread going over his face, puts his hands on his head, going, oh my God, what am I going to do? It, it also becomes an option for someone to literally become a superhuman and the ability for them to put out so much more production is huge, right? So just the idea of being able to interact with something that's going to tap into case law, 
support documents from any software that's ever been developed. You know, in my use case in, in, in marketing and working with publishers, we used Google ad management, right? And so the documents for Google ad manager are, are part of ChatGPT. So if, if I have a question, you know, before I go to Google support, I go to ChatGPT first, right? And then I interact with my developers and say, hey, look, here's the problem. This is the solutions coming out of ChatGPT. This is what it looks like in page. And you use the outputs from ChatGPT in order to affect what we're trying to do here. And more often than not, we don't even have to go to customer support anymore because ChatGPT gives me a quicker answer. It's very helpful for our developers. It, it spits back the code that they may need to update. We can give ChatGPT the code that we're using and find problems in it. Uh, it really just put the interface on AI that wasn't there before. And, and what, what I've seen since is that once this came out and everyone's coming up with text to video, text to speech, cleaning up audio, looking for things in there. You know, I was recently just at a conference where Netflix was speaking and they're, they're using AI for their subscription model that's ad supported in order to find the right places to insert ads, right? So similar to the conversation around how to improve audio quality and what to look for to remove, AI can do that much faster than a human can, right? So they're looking for dark fades in order to insert an ad. And these are things that, you know, people can do, but a computer can do it way faster, way more efficiently and, and give basically superhuman abilities to individuals, right? And you talked about, you were just talking about the speed of which it processes. Uh, I think it was yesterday we were saying how it's really been around since like 2020, but available to the public from, was it last year it came out? Sorry. Yeah, December. Right? Um, I thought it was pretty cool. So Chris had, had brought up Moore's Law. For people who don't know what that is, is I'm going to read a definition is a prediction about the rate of growth in the number of transistors that can be placed on a microchip, uh, which has historically driven the exponential growth in computing power and enabled the development of advanced technologies such as AI. So that typically doubles about every two years. How fast is ChatGPT growing in comparison to what Moore's Law says? Right, so it follows the same sort of principles, right? So 2020, ChatGPT came out with 175 billion parameters, right? So now they're talking ChatGPT4 is going to come out sometime around June-ish. And we're looking at 100 trillion parameters on top of the fact that we're now all inter interacting with it and teaching it to become smarter, right? So it's learning from what we're asking it to do. And so if you couple that with a tenfold almost increase in parameters, it's going to become increasingly smarter and faster. And so the, the other part in that Moore's law is that it also becomes half the price. And so as you look at this ability to go faster and be smarter, we're also talking about it becoming cheaper. Right. And so Moore's law applies to technology in general. And so you're looking at something that's potentially massively deflationary as well as increasingly smarter. And so productivity growth based on folks that are using AI to support their business models, it, it's, a, it's, as you said, the fifth industrial revolution. 
it's really the thing that I look at, you know, like a light bulb, right? This is one of those inflection points that we can look back to, you know, maybe even just two, three years down the road and go, wow, this is, this is one of those things that has dramatically affected how we do business, how we do production, how we interact in the world. And there's, there's obviously there's going to be a lot of people. There is a lot of people who are, are terrified of not just the Terminator, but uh, <laughs> we'll bring that up again later, <laughs> but um, of losing their jobs. So their jobs becoming obsolete, right? So you, we had talked about prompts and, you know, in our, in, in our business, we talk to clients about our planning for our kids future, you know, saving for college, so on and so forth. And I often say, you know, the, I have young kids, you have, you have young kids, our child, our children's, the number one major for our children's coming out of college, the job hasn't been created yet. So this is a perfect example of certain opportunities. Yes. Yeah, some jobs will become obsolete, but you brought up going back again to the prompts, the importance of the input. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So prompt engineering, right? So, you know, look, I have a graphic design background, you know, business marketing, right? One of the things that really helps create a better prompt is telling ChatGPT how to think about things, right? You know, as a web developer, as an expert graphic designer, as a business consultant from McKenzie, right? You can give it how it should think. And then you can say to it, let's think about this step by step. And so by how you engineer your prompt, the better your prompt engineering is, the better the response you get out of ChatGPT. You can even tell it, you know, with an IQ of 180, answer this problem. With an IQ of 120, answer this problem. I want to write a children's book for third graders. Give me an output that's at a third grade reading level. And so the better that you create your prompts, the better the response that you're looking for. There's another uh, text to image uh, AI called Midjourney, which you have to be a little bit of a discourse um, savant to, to get it to do your thing. But the difference between me having some graphic design background and a full-on graphic designer, the prompts that they can input, use this diffusion, use this type of filter, add this contrast, the prompt that they can engineer the output that they get is significantly better than a layman who doesn't know graphic design or photography to tell the AI what it should be doing. And so you have to have that human knowledge to create the prompt to get the best outputs. And so prompt engineering is going to be one of the things, you know, when I went to college, there was no major in digital marketing, right? And I graduated in 2007. Now that's, there's, influencer marketing degrees, right? And so you look at how things have changed just in, you know, 15 years, this will be the next thing that folks look to as far as education and how to interact with AI and, and using the human knowledge, you know, what my developers can do using ChatGPT versus myself is massive, right? I don't have a computer science degree. I don't know Python or PHP or you know, pine, all of those things that a real, you know, a developer can go into ChatGPT and, and really engineer really advanced prompts 
will get really awesome outputs. And and like you were saying before, <clears throat> and about the the fifth industrial revolution, you know, when there is fear, and I find this when I talk to just generally to, to different people, when there's fear of the the rapid pace that technology is changing, you brought up the light bulb. People were terrified of that as well. And when you know, cert- when you start to embrace it, you really see our entire culture kind of blossom. Uh, you brought up the different generations. Uh, when we were talking about this before, how Gen Xers are 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 what is it was uh, was were paying for 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 somebody to do it for them. Uh, millennials were like, oh man, now I got to figure out how to do this. <laughs> and Gen Zers were the ones that were actually creating it. Right? I thought that was a pretty that was a pretty cool uh, view of it. There's a bunch of so ChatGPT is not the only one. Um, I know there's like client relationship management software. Like we were saying right when the podcast started, there's the uh, the Adobe one for the the for the voice. Uh, can you go into a little bit again? And there's a lot, but can you go into some of the different types of AI products that are out there or platforms that are out there? So, for example, Adobe Podcast is an AI tool which we're going to turn on right now, which will clean up all of the audio. Right? It's going to go through. It's going to grab the voice tracks. It's going to clean up. All of the background noise, it's going to take the tinny voice that you're hearing from my MacBook Air, you know, webcam, and and it's going to clean it up. The things that can be done with AI really sort of fall into a couple of buckets, right? Text to text, text to speech, text to video. And then when you start to think about things like audio to audio, video to video, there's a bunch of different platforms out there that are starting to get smarter and smarter as folks are using them and coming up with ways to improve them, right? So one of the things that we use is a, a called video.ai, V-I-D-Y-O.ai. And so one of the big short form video wars that's going on right now between TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube is really that sub 60 second video. And so if we make a 30 minute podcast here, we can run that through video AI and it will go and find all the natural breaks, different topics that we're talking about and suck out 60 second video clips, brand them, throw templates on them, do the voice to text captioning all automatically, break a 30 minute you know podcast down into 10 different, you know, some 60 second clips for you. And then you have social media content to post on top. Then you can go to a repurpose.io, which will take those clips and then automatically go and post those off to your different social accounts. So the idea of how to use different AI tools together really comes to, you know, there's another company out there called Zapier, right? And it's all about automation and connecting the different, you know, softwares and platforms that businesses are using in order to automate massive amounts of their business. And so as you look at how the AI offerings are improving, they're still not working together, right? So the big piece and, and opportunity right now is connecting those dots, right? Which you still need a human to do. And so that really sort of becomes the the next piece of how to use all of these different programs in a cohesive manner in order to supplement your business, right? And so at some point, you know, my AI bot is going to talk to your AI bot and go, hey, what business opportunities do you have that I'm interested in? And it's going to go do it, right? And so the same thing works for small businesses in marketing, 
right? We have folks that we want to target for, you know, Joe's plumbing business, right? You can use ChatGPT in Google Sheets. And so there's a, a Chrome extension that allows you to pull ChatGPT into Google Sheets. And so as Joe the plumber who wants to advertise in Naples, Florida, he can come up with different personas that he wants to advertise to. He can then in Google Sheets, create those personas, put in you know the messaging that he wants to come up with a prompt and have ChatGPT create different call to actions and different marketing hooks for every single persona in Google Sheets. Then he can use that Google Sheet to feed something like Canva, which will automatically go and create all of his Facebook advertising and then post those on a consistent schedule off to Facebook using something like a repurpose IO or any other social media tool out there like Hub, you know, Hootsuite and literally use AI to automate their marketing campaign via Google Sheets so you don't have to go back and forth into the prompt window and, and have it done for you in an automated fashion and you don't have to pay a marketer, right? You can tell ChatGPT, hey, as a marketing expert, create a content strategy for me over the next 60 days for my plumbing business targeting X, Y, and Z, and it will pop out all of those things. And it's, it's really efficient and saves a lot of time, energy, and money in figuring out what you should and need to do as a business. You kind of, you're, 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 you're going down that, that path of, I look at it as it's there to really enhance different industries and businesses. It's not there to necessarily always problem solve. So one of the things I find that's, uh, that's part of the, the both limited ability and, and, and also ethical, uh, considerations is it, it has issues with complex questions and situations, right? So us, uh, it's kind of like the cell phone. Those of us who grew up without any cell phones know what it's like with no cell phone and with, with cell phone. Our kids know iPad and, and, screen. and screen right away, right? Yeah, and, and it's stuff that we can't really comprehend. The The youth today are going to know AI and just AI. And and I, I, you know, I know that they'll end up working out these kinks, but how do we stay away from so a, a fear of mine? How do we stay away from those youth? Are our, our youth now going to something like ChatGPT and asking the question and thinking that is the answer? Because there could be a lot of flaws. There's there's certain, just like I said, complex questions and situations uh, it, it can't necessarily answer. It's very textbook. So I've played with it a lot. And when it spits out answers, some of them are good, right? But it's like reading a textbook and it gives you a very textbook answer. There's also biased and training data. So it is picking up all these different things from different places. And we're the more we play with it, obviously, the smarter it gets. But that's why there's all these competing companies coming out too, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that there was a doctor who was playing with it and it literally made up a fake study, right? That's crazy. <laughs> and so- like I mentioned before about, you know, the human knowledge and, and those putting in the prompts to get, you know, great outputs, you still have to question everything. And so, you know, that doctor went and looked up the the output and tried to find the study that it was citing and it didn't exist. And so just like any, you know, Google result or Bing result or whatever, you, those results are written and geared towards search engine optimization. 
right? You're not being given a result because it might be the best one, but it was the one that was written the best for the search engine algorithm, right? And so for the same thing, the prompts that come out, you know, sometimes I'll give a piece of code that it gave me to, to my developer and they'll go, this doesn't work. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to put developer in my, my title because the chat GPT output doesn't work. Right. And so there's still the need to check and test whatever the outputs are. Right. And so there's caution, right. In, in trusting anything a hundred percent, right. Uh, you know, I always say if somebody agrees with you a hundred percent, they're lying to you. Right. So if you, you look at the outputs as something that are incredibly helpful and can point you in the right direction and more often than not give you the right answer, it's still something that needs to be back-tested. Yeah, the question just popped up, right? A big, a big question on AI is for the long-term, who's programming it, uh, its morality, and how? And kind of, again, leaking into the, 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 what are we really looking at? Who's in control of this? You know, we're we're definitely in its infancy, but I think it's super ex again exciting and scary. Most things that are new and and impactful are scary and exciting at the same time, right? Where where does this go? I did want to bring up one part because uh, I think everybody's got certain frustrations when you call into any kind of one eight hundred number, like for like a helpline. So Chris and I were talking about this last night. This should should in a rather short period of time. I'm hoping completely take over the call center prompt one prompt two you'll be able to either call in or type in and boop, 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 and it'll get you exactly to where where you got to go to whom can help you directly but you, you want to <laughs> build on that real quick chris so part of openai.com is is gpt playground right so it's a place where anyone can go in and feed chat gpt information Right? So you can take all your support documentation for a software platform and put it into Playground and create your own chatbot that's based on the information in your support docs and give your customers a very detailed chatbot that's going to respond to them with the answers. Right, Most call centers that are outside of the US have someone who's sitting in front of a computer with those support docs that that company hoped you'd go look at yourself so that they don't have to give you customer service and the chatbot in replace that call center right half the time i'm going to someone for support because i already know the answers and the support docs haven't helped me enough to get me there and so it's usually just a hurdle for me to get past that call center get back to a technical support that's here in the u.s that actually knows the code base that can help fix the problem that we know exists that the support docs are not going to help you with. And so the idea that you can train your own chatbot on your support docs will dramatically impact the need for call centers, right? And so one of, one of the other things we talked about was Prince's Law, right? That the square root of the size of an organization creates 50% of the revenue. So when you have four you're talking two. So the other two creates 50%. Then you go to nine, three creates 50%, six create the other 50%. And as you get to a hundred person company, now you're saying 10, you know, 10 people create 
50% of the revenue, the other 90 create the other 50%. And so the idea that you can create better scales of efficiency by using AI, by having fewer employees, you're going to see the ability for those top you know, 10 to be able to produce way more revenue with fewer extra people in support. And when you start to look at, at roles at which are answering call centers, are backend data entry, all things that can start to be automated. And then the Austin Police Department actually just released an AI program that's all about data entry and saving massive amounts of times in report creation, right? So they have now a system that uses AI to create all of the reports that, you know, someone would go and make an arrest and they got to put in all this information and type it all up. Now they give it a couple simple prompts with very basic information and the AI goes off and writes the entire report. And so what sucked up tons of man hours now doesn't. Full disclosure, to, in preparation for the pod, this podcast, I asked ChatGPT to give me talking points. <laughs> and that's, that's really how we, uh, you know, I did add to it, but um, what typically takes hours of prep, I prompted chat gpt to give me several talking points right and then spit it out in you know, maybe what a minute and then you know i just kind of worked on it so what would have taken me hours really took me maybe 30 45 minutes in prep which is insane but kind of to your point time is money time is freedom so we right. can all be a lot more efficient because it frees up more time or devil's advocate on that one we could just work more because we are yeah yeah we, we are gluttons for that kind of thing. yeah I mean you know take sports not right our 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 sports website right so they'll go and make uh, a seven minute video right but I want them to go and accompany that seven minute video with a full length article they can take that video they can get the text from it the transcript in an automated fashion. They can take that into ChatGPT. They can say, summarize this, turn it into a 600-word blog post. They can then go and edit that blog post because of AI detection. SEO will downrank it. So they need to go in and, and use that as their base to go in and update everything. And so that they'll get past the AI detectors and they can go in and do that. They would have had to take notes. They would have had to watch their video over and over and over again. But now they can just, with another Chrome extension, go to YouTube where they've uploaded it, grab the entire transcript, paste it into ChatGPT, get a summary, get a 600-word starting place, and then add the human element. And so what would have taken them, you know, six hours, eight hours to go and do their video and then do their written component, they can just do their video and in 30, 40 minutes have their written component and move on. And so to your point, right, like how much time do we spend you know, you're writing this, okay, you get interrupted, you get up, you get an email answer to what should have been a, you know, a two hour, three hour task turns into an all day thing. Now you set yourself a 30 minute window to do it and it's done. And, and just, just cause I know I'm going to get asked this and, and people are going to ask me like, why didn't you ask? This isn't the start of Skynet. <laughs> so as of right now, chat GPT is not connected to the internet. Right. These Chrome plugins are sort of bridging that gap. Right. So there's a chat GPT, you know, Google plugin. So you put that in, 
whenever you do a Google search, you'll get the chat GPT response next to that Google response. The idea that one day one of these goes, humans are bad. We don't want them here anymore is a terrifying one, right? So Elon Musk is, is one of those folks who's been ringing the bell. It does not escape me that he was the one who donated massive amounts of money <laughs> folks. And now he's going, wait, this thing, you know, it's, it's, it's biased, right? And so now he's going to do his own. But ChatGPT was his. You know, the idea that you know, the machines are going to take over the world, everything needs guardrails, right? We look at, you know, Section 230 for publishers and what's the difference between a publisher and not a publisher when it comes to platforms and, you know, the editorial control that they have. The same thing applies to AI right? This is a new technology. It needs regulation. Folks need to understand that they are not interacting with a person. It's a computer. And the idea that the controls that we hand over really becomes sort of those things that need guardrails around, right? I don't want, you know, a F-35 flying over my house, completely controlled by AI that has no human going, you can't do that. You know, that that's a terrifying thought. But in the same respect, right, would that potentially save human life? Yes. Right? So the notion of where we draw the line as to how far we can let this go on its own is, is one of those crazy things, right? You know, Elon talks about Neuralink. There's no way I'm putting a chip in the back of my head <laughs> to make it shit. So that I'm I'm happy to text or speak to it. I don't need it in my head, right? But there's gonna be folks who do that, who want to do that, right? And so the question becomes, should the government step in and say, nah, let's not put chips in people's heads? Um it's it's definitely something that as a society we need to have a chat about. Um because it could go one way or the other, it either becomes an incre you know incredibly useful tool, or you know, an incredibly destructive one. And I mean, we know what fifty percent of the internet traffic is today it goes to adult content, right? So, could this be looked at as something that folks are using to do nefarious things? Obviously, right? And so, could it end up going and doing nefarious things on its own? Also, a potentially scary question. So, I mean, I could talk about this uh, for hours, um, but do you have, so wrapping up today's uh, uh, episode, do you have any final thoughts or key takeaways you want to share with the audience, dude? Yeah, look, I think that AI is something that's going to help us all be more efficient, right? And it's always a goal to try and get more time back so you can generate more revenue. And time is money. And so the notion that, you know, you don't need an SEO expert anymore because the AI is going to do it. You don't need a marketing plan anymore because the AI is going to do it. You know, you want to go into it and tell it to make you a meal plan and then give you a shopping list to support that meal plan with all of the recipes in it. But the hardest thing about staying on a diet is, you know, going shopping. You're in the grocery store and you're like, okay, I got this meal plan of what I'm supposed to eat. I don't know what I'm supposed to buy. It'll give you the shopping list, right? So the idea that you know, I don't remember a single phone number anymore, right? I've, I've got my childhood home, my wife's cell phone number, and my own. And that's about it, right? I no longer save, you know, mental space for phone numbers. 
addresses, directions. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't keep it to memory anymore. And I think that there's going to be a lot of other things that we're going to free up our own mind space for that AI will help us take care of. And I think that that's one of the biggest things you know, to think about. In the same respect, they say to myself, well, if the internet's gone tomorrow, I better have a book that tells me how to grow my food. So it it's one of those things where you hope for the best, prepare for the worst, and just make sure that you're doing these things mindfully and, and think about the impacts that they're going to have on your employees and your clients and, and don't go too far down the rabbit hole because in the event that we find that certain things aren't working the way we need them to, we always need to be able to pivot. Yeah, well, I always see, I see ahead of us, there's always going to be a need for, you know, high level experts um, to help break down the complexities. You know, um, I just have a lot of faith in the human brain and the power of the human brain to to analyze much more than a computer can uh, because of emotion, which a a computer will never be able to feel. Um, That said, Chris... I uh, appreciate you, man, uh, taking the time, sharing your expertise and opinions with us. Thank you to the listening audience for tuning in. Uh, be sure to click that subscribe button uh, below. Find out more about our next podcast. Be well, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Chris Ward and his firm are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Opus Private Client, LLC, and opinions stated are their own. Yvonne Wantanabe and George Papanakolo are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. Compliance Approval 2023-150640 expires February 2025.